Peace and blessings. Welcome to another episode of Boss Hijabi North. Women often appear to suffer from the misconception that to be successful in business or accepted in society, they have to diminish or denounce their faith or beliefs. As a business coach, I have encountered women cross-culturally who face internal conflict regarding their religious identity, maintaining their family roles, and being their most authentic selves. I developed this podcast to help guide them back to reclaiming their faith, better define their Islamic roles so they can own their identity, live their absolute best life, and be a powerhouse in business. Welcome back to the Bossy Jabbypreneur podcast, episode 50, Back to the Office or Quit. Hold on tight and grab your pen and paper. This episode is going to be a good one, inshallah. This week, many of the women that follow my page and some that are in my group coaching classes and even a woman that I met in the elevator have received news that they will be returning to work later this month or next month. Some employers have communicated their return to work plan. Some will return to the office full time. Others will remain fully remote while others have adopted a hybrid return to work plan. Um, You know, I remember speaking to the woman on the elevator and, you know, she was not happy about having to return to work. You know, mentally, she had become accustomed to, you know, I start work this time. You know, I I do work this time. I take a break at this time and just having that um, flexibility. And so, you know, with, you know, some returning full time, some returning fully remote, um, some, you know, or, you know, some people staying fully remote and then some adopting a hybrid return, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, a tough transition for some and then, you know, a seamless transition for others. You know, one week off and one week um, on working remote two to three days a week and in the office the rest of the days. That may be your particular scenario. Whatever your scenario is, I would love to hear from you. So when this podcast airs, you can either leave a comment on the podcast. Um, I hang around, you guys know, on IG. You're more than welcome to DM me and just let me know how things are going, what your thoughts are, etc. So is it time to open the office or has it come to the time where the office is about to reopen? Have you received that news? So after working from home for nearly a year, or in many cases, over a year for many people, many employees want to get back to the office, believe it or not. In fact, 94% of employees are ready to return to work, according to Envoy's 2020 research survey. How often they want to work you know, and go back in the office, we talked about a little bit earlier, and it is a bit less clear than the fact that, you know, they're saying, yes, I want to get back to work. But flexibility is not only expected from, you know, the employee perspective, and, and, you know, in some cases, the employer perspective, um, you know, but, you know, the consensus is, hey, you know, we want to return to work, but we've got to figure some things out, you know, some of it from a mental health standpoint, from of it from some of it from an actual health, um, you know, standpoint, how is this going to play out? Um, Is there a strategic plan in place of, you know, uh, do you have cubicles? Is there separation? Um, You know, how is the office cleaned? You know, if there is an employee that, you know, we find out, you know, ends up having, you know, uh, you know, COVID, 
how do we handle those particular scenarios to keep the rest of the employees safe? So many things that employers themselves have to think about, and I'm sure they're going to ask their employees to be flexible as this is something that is new for them and a space in a territory that they've never entered before. So, you know, at the end of 2020, this survey was conducted by Envoy, and they found that only 6% prefer to work from home full-time, and another 54% prefer a hybrid model. And I think for me, you know, I spoke to my daughter, and, you know, you know, not only, you know, are, you know, employees having to go back to work, but in some cases, many students have either started going back to school or in September they will go back to school. And so, you know, my daughter and I had this conversation and even she talked about a hybrid. You know, I would like to go to school, you know, maybe two days a week and then be home for three days. So even, you know, the, the kids, you know, even their mental health, you know, their mental state, you know, it's a transition. So I think that there's a lot of flexibility that needs to happen no matter what your scenario is. And so from my own conversations with women, women, there is a general consensus that returning to work after almost an 18 month hiatus is not favorable from a mental health standpoint. Um, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of these, you know, um, you know, uh, insurance providers, a lot of these employers, I think they need to take a look at, you know, um, what, how are they taking care of their employees' mental health? You know, I think that that's going to be a huge concern, both from, you know, making a transition from kind of doing things my way by working at home remotely versus now having to go back in and having to report. Um, also, you know, being at home, you know, being in a safe haven, maybe, you know, being at work causes caused anxiety pre, uh, you know, pandemic. And so how do we help these, you know, employees transition back into um, the workforce, force, whether it's full time, part time, whatever the case may um, be. And some have financially benefit, benefited from being at home. And so now, you know, they may have to go back to, you know, paying for gas. They may have to go back if they, you know, commute, you know, using public transportation. They may have to go back to paying for those different types of things that they're not reimbursed for, right? And so, you know, they have financially uh, seen, the, you know, uh, a surplus, you know, being at home, being able to save more money due to less of their income, like I said, spent on commuting even lunch, uh, hair and nails. So, you know, there's a, there's an image that we as women, we have to keep up. So, you know, we may spend, you know, me personally, you know, I'm a hijabi. So maybe I spend more money on hijabs, uh, you know, when I am going to different conferences or I'm asked to speak at, at different things, I have to, you know, present an image. I may need a new outfit every single time that, you know, I deliver a presentation or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, through the pandemic, I saved, you know, maybe a few hundred, maybe even a thousand thousands of dollars or not having to, you know, necessarily have that same type of upkeep, you know, a mani-pedi once a month versus weekly, um, you know, when I'm traveling to uh, different places. So just thinking about that, you know, that people were able to save um, money, you know, commuting, lunch, hair, nails, um, and their wardrobe. Others have had the time to uh, spend with their children, and in many cases, it has brought families closer together, and returning to work would mean that that all ends. While for some, returning to work also means their children may be returning to school, and with that return, some of the socializing, you know, um, elements, um, you know, return um, that they were missing, you know, that time away from work and school. And so there's a, a positive benefit um, for it, especially for those that are missing, you know, that social 
social uh, element that they had pre-pandemic. So there are some positives and of course some, some negatives. And from these responses, I can tell that there are mixed emotions and I'm sure that this will be a continuous process. So pros and cons to every scenario. The common thread that I keep hearing, however, is that women are looking to take more control over their lives and what they want. Some have recreated a return to work plan, adopting a hybrid work schedule or negotiating the ability to work 100% remote. Go girl, go. Negotiating salaries for higher pay and so much more. I just want to say kudos to all of you for speaking up and advocating for yourself. We'll be right back after this brief break to learn the downside of remote work. The downside of remote work. The downside of many employees wanting to work remotely impacts businesses who own brick and mortar stores or own or rent office locations, physical office locations. Who will work in their stores? Who will operate the computers, answer the phones? Where is the accountability? How do you measure progress? For businesses who had a hybrid plan prior to COVID-19, the shift may not be that drastic. But for those who were 100% in person, it may it may be like pulling teeth to get an employee to return to work. What do you do in that instance? There is no short or cookie cutter answer. And I believe that this uh, you know, particular conversation needs to be had between the employer and the employee. And I think that there may need to be you know, um, scenarios where that, that look different. There may have to be flexible scenarios where you know, one employee, you could have 10 employees all working the same type of job, but maybe one employee gets to do this and then another employee gets to do that. And I think this goes back to the beginning half of this uh, conversation where we were talking about the mental health. Right. So we have to take the mental health of the employee into account as well as their output, as well as them, you know, their productivity when they're showing up, um, you know, to work. So, you know, um, you know, one of the things that I know, you know, there's no sh a short or cookie cutter answer, of course. So one of the suggestions that I have for brick and mortar retail locations, and I've even told some of my clients who own brick and mortar retail locations, um, you know, they're having trouble, uh, you know, finding help. Um, you know, I think there was, uh, you know, like a news report that I saw, like in brief that was talking about, you know, um, that, it, you know, employers are looking to hire, you know, seasonal help or even looking to hire, you know, employees to just work the store. You know, they're in some cases they're at bare bones uh, right now um, as far as, you know, who is, uh, you know, working in their stores. And so, you know, how do you, you know, what can you do to entice, you know, a, a, an applicant, right? to want to come and work, um, you know, for you. And, you know, I will say that this is going to be, you know, a tough road ahead and it's going to take some time. Um, you know, from what I understand, you know, some of the unemployment benefits and some of the additional, you know, kicks that, you know, uh, people were getting or the boost that people were getting financially um, will begin to run out um, say in September, um, you know, in the fall sometime, right? And, you know, of course that, you know, remains to be seen, you know, things can change at any moment um, as, you know, COVID-19, this pandemic has been, you know, unpredictable. So, you know, we kind of have to play it by ear. 
But, you know, I think, you know, making sure that you're diligent and promoting the fact that you have, you know, vacancies, you know, at your particular, you know, retail location. If you are a business being diligent about, you know, saying this is what we have. And then when you, you know, when that you front face that applicant being flexible, you know, maybe being flexible with, you know, how they, you know, show up to work. So if we are talking about an office location, again, maybe it's hybrid. If we are talking about a brick and mortar retail location, maybe there your store operates at reduced hours for now. Um, maybe, you know, you slow pace it, you know, maybe you're open from this time to this time. And, you know, maybe your store is only open four or five hours a day versus, you know, maybe, you know, the 12 hours that it was open pre-pandemic. Create new jobs that focus more on customer support and fulfillment behind the scenes than the front-facing client, um, you know, um, job that that you know, uh, you know that you know, that employee will need to front face a client, right? So as restrictions are lifted, you can increase your in-store hours, increase it by one hour, you know, every single, you know, month or something like that, increase your store hours by one hour until, you know, you're able to operate fully. You know, the same again applies to businesses who rely on employees showing up to work from a team building and productivity standpoint. Um, Let's face it, If an employee's computer or internet connection goes down at home, that may result in one to two days or more of work and productivity loss. There are so many variables. Um, You could also run into, you know, a situation where, you know, maybe you have an employee who, you know, when they're, you know, under supervision, you know, they work better. And, you know, at home, you know, they're kind of, you know, suffering and, you know, things are going by the wayside. Again, goes back to having those individual conversations and saying, to an employee, hey, how do you work? You know, what, what, you know, what, what does work look like for you? And when do you think you're most productive? Do you think that you're most productive at home? Do you think that you're most productive when you are in a controlled, you know, so to speak environment and have that conversation with each employee? The reality is we will have to be um, very flexible during this time. And so I wanted to um, pivot the conversation a little bit and, you know, talk about, you know, some of the successes, talk about, you know, the areas where, you know, we've seen, you know, some positive, um, you know, some positive, you know, things come out. And I will tell you, entrepreneurship, you know, um, 2020, we saw more businesses, um, you know, uh, you know, on the rise. We saw more, more businesses, you know, um, you know, open up. And so, you know, this pandemic has seen more open businesses during any time since the Great Depression to the tune of 3.4 million. Um, When I saw this, I was in shock. You know, 3.4 million new applications in 2020. New business applications have surpassed 2019's numbers. Um, And this uh, particular um, information is as of December of 2020. So I am sure 2021, we are still seeing this upward trend. So overall growth was triggered immediately following the coronavirus age, relief, and economic security. So that's the CARES Act signed into law on March 27th. Um, You know, I just want to say, you know, again, you know, congratulations. Um, It sounds like you ladies were ready to take action then, and many of you have already celebrated your one-year business anniversary. So congratulations um, to all of you once again. So of businesses opened in 2020, approximately one-third, and that's about 1.26 million of those businesses, are considered high-propensity businesses, meaning that they have a solid plan in place. Um, You know, they have, you know, a plan in place for 
employees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, you know, while this is a downward trend from the year before, I think that the fact that it's still 1.26 million that are considered high propensity businesses in the middle of a pandemic, I feel that that's a win. Um, you know, according to a recent article on small business trends, the number of weekly business applications for non-store retailers grew by four times. So that's, again, I said non-store retailers grew by four times. So that's from 5,070 applications to 20,370 applications since March. In the first 13 weeks of 2020, an average of nearly 74,000 businesses applied for employer identification numbers. Most of you know those as EINs a week. From the following week through mid-October, EIN applications average was close to 89,000 applications a week. The week of July 12th saw the peak for business applications for non-store retailers. So this is online stores, and I'm going to talk about that in, in greater depth in just a moment. So in the following 10 weeks, so the, the week of July 12th saw the peak of business applications for non-store retailers. So in the following 10 weeks, business applications fell to an average of about 15,400 a week. Still for me, you know, and this is my personal opinion, I feel that that's still a win. So between the week of December 29th, 2019 and the week of March 15, 2020, prior to the CARES Act, the average weekly applications for um, applications for non-retail businesses were, was 6,600. Again, you see what I mean? That There's that number again. It's, 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 it's still a win. Um, so from March 22nd, 2020 to October 3rd, 2020, the weekly average application was nearly 13,200 for non-store retail businesses. What is this telling you? This is telling you that more of you ladies and, you know, um, the percentage of, you know, uh, women owned businesses is also on um, the rise. And so what this is saying is that many of you understood that, um, you know, uh, brick and mortar stores, you know, there, there wasn't the business. In many cases, you know, there were, you know, federal and state, state, um, city you know, mandated laws, you know, asking people to stay home and certain types of businesses were not allowed to open. And so we saw that, but it doesn't mean that people don't still need the products. Um, many people who had, uh, you know, delivery services for food um, offered some type of, uh, you know, pro uh, delivery product on their own types of food, but they offered a delivery service for it. Um, things like DoorDash, Uber Eats, uh, we saw those types of things on the rise. We saw those types of businesses, you know, in that particular part of their business um, on the rise during the pandemic. People weren't riding in Ubers because they didn't necessarily have any place to go, but they were ordering via Uber Eats. So an Uber um, you know, driver who was normally driving someone to work or to the airport then moved over and began delivering for Uber Eats and things like um, you know, DoorDash and those types of things, I'm sure, have seen um, you know, an increase in the amount of deliveries that they had. Um, and you know, this created you know, a job opportunity you know, for um, many people while they were, you know, possibly home and either jobless or, um, you know, maybe, you know, uh, you know, decreased hours um, due to the fact that they were not, you know, in their location. Whatever, whatever your scenario is, you know, there was there was something for everyone. This also meant that 
um, you know, they they understood the need. You know, hair care products. We 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 didn't stop washing our hair during the pandemic. We didn't stop, you know, uh, doing mani pedis. Um, we didn't even stop buying clothes. You know, the types of clothes may have changed. So whereas, you know, maybe we were on Zoom, we had, you know, our weekly Zoom call and we had to be presentable. Maybe we switched out our business suit or, you know, a button up, you know, top or blouse. Maybe we switched that for, you know, some type of leisure, you know, um, outfit. And so you saw, you know, leisure um, like a lot of leisure and loungewear, you saw an increase in the amount of um, not only businesses that sold that those types of products, but also the business that offered that as a product. You know, uh, many different luxury brands, they began to offer their version of, you know, loungewear that, you know, could double as, you know, a, a Zoom outfit, right? And so, Many of these, you know, many of you as women, many of you as listeners understood the need for um, creating a product that could be shipped um, to your consumer versus them having to come in and, um, you know, receive their products, even alcoholic beverages. The companies that, you know, um, got on the bandwagon quick, there were some companies that were already there and they were already doing this pre-pandemic, you know, and I don't I don't drink. But um, I I just have to, you know, put it out there, you know, just looking at the statistics, you know, businesses that, you know, sold alcohol, you know, they were able to continue to thrive without, you know, people having to physically come into their location because they were able to ship to their um, customer. Hair products, same thing. You know, those those, uh, you know, companies that were able to, you know, ship their products uh, to their customers saw a huge, huge, huge um, influx. Even uh, people in my space where, you know, I'm in the um, business education um, service, we saw an influx as well. More people wanted to understand how to start a business. More people wanted to understand, you know, what, how can they promote their business, businesses that were already in business. How can I promote my business if I'm not, you know, doing these in-person um, events or I'm not, uh, you know, doing these, you know, uh, you know, vending opportunities, in-person vending opportunities, et cetera. How can I promote my business in a way that I don't lose business and I can um, grow my business? And so you saw an influx of, you know, an increase actually um, in these, um, you know, areas and so many more. So not just, uh, you know, the, um, you know, retail, not just retail, many others um, saw um, an increase in their revenue um, at this time. So here's what drove the new business application numbers. I think that this is important for us to understand what drove this. And I think that this um, will help you to understand how little is needed um, for you to start a business or for you to even grow um, your business, how small of an investment um, is needed. And so um, the provision of the additional $600 weekly in unemployment insurance helped the personal savings rate um, of you know each person reached nearly 34% in April. The highest on record um, might have um, given some the financial room um, that they needed to set up a business. So you know that additional income that they were receiving, you know, from unemployment insurance, they were then able to put it into savings, and from there they were then able to say, you know what, I can afford, you know, the you know application fee um, to start my business. I can afford to buy the fabric that I need, uh, you know, to put out my first, uh, you know, fashion collection, hijab collection. I can afford, you know, the materials that I need to recreate my, you know, hair care line. Whatever, um, you know, your scenario is right. 
And an additional incentive includes the tax provision that allows a deduction of up to 20% of qualified business income for owners of certain types of businesses. Another, there were so many different types of tax breaks. There were so many different types of ways that you could, um, you know, receive a large influx of, you know, um, money. Um, you know, so you saw people with, you know, the PPP loan and different types of grants and loans, you know, became um, available and many new or current business owners took advantage of them. Opening e-commerce shops, um, it was probably the most popular business in 2020. This included businesses such as, you know, online shopping, mail order and direct selling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of this sounds like great news, but is it time to quit? We'll be right back. Is it time to quit? Why am I telling you all of this? I'm sure many of you are thinking all these statistics are great, but why is she telling me this? Why is this important now? As women, we are the caretakers of our home and children, and many of us are divorced or single parents um, and or the sole provider. And if we are in a two-parent household, one income is simply not going to cut it, especially we saw this during the pandemic. We saw where, you know, our food bill went up. We saw where, you know, we had to have, you know, um, certain things in place. Um, many people, you know, generators, different things like that, you know, power outages in some places. So many things, um, you know, coming together at once. So no matter your scenario, we need more control over our finances individually as women and collectively as a community so we can have more control over the trajectory of our lives and future generations. Um, I think this year, this past, you know, 2020, you know, kind of even nudged me. So I'm already a full-time entrepreneur, but it even nudged me, hey, what do you really want? And, you know, if you are on the path to what you really want, do you need to, to, to hit you know, the accelerate button? Do you need to, to go a little bit harder, go a little bit faster, um, you know, uh, be more intentional? And the answer to all of those questions for me were yes. And I'm sure for many of you, the answer is yes as well. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but as people of faith, not knowing what tomorrow will bring does not mean that we become complacent and we just sit and we just wait for, you know, whatever um, is going to happen, right? We don't just sit and wait, you know, it's like, um, you know, uh, there was this quote um, in this um, movie, their eyes were watching God, right? Get busy living or get, or get busy dying. And so, you know, we don't know when our expiration date is, right? And so because we don't know when our expiration date is, we should still go hard in the paint no matter what's happening around us. You know, in some cases, you know, in some parts of the world, it looks like, you know, the world is just, you know, crumbling, you know, on, on the four sides of us, right? But, you know, there there is a saying that goes, you know, even, you know, if it's the last, even if it's the end of times to plant whatever seed, if you have a seed in your hand to plant that seed. And so I go at, you know, life like that every single day, you know, no matter, you know, if it seems like, you know, you've reached the end of your rope, no matter if it looks like, you know, the world is, is, is falling behind you. If there's a dream, if there's a goal, continue to go after it, continue to pursue it. Um, if your goal is to, you know, is if it's spiritual and you want to learn the Quran or whatever your book of choice is, don't stop 
because, oh, the world is ending. So, you know, there's no hope. No, you know, continue to pursue it. Imagine being rewarded for your intention to complete the Quran, even if you don't complete it, even if you're only on page one. Right. So imagine being rewarded for your intention because you made the intention and you continuously, um, you know, went after it. Right. So, you know, I, I want us to think about that. I want us to think about that as we go about, you know, making our goals and thinking about what it is that we want for your life. As you're listening to this, maybe you're writing down, you know, what your goals are, what your goals are. Think about actually achieving them. What would happen if you actually achieve them? And keep that mentality, keep that mentality, keep focus on what if I achieve it? What happens, right? Who benefits? What positivity comes out of me actually, you know, uh, going after pursuing my goals and then, you know, essentially achieving them, inshallah, right? So, you know, what we do as, you know, a community, um, what we do in individually changes the trajectory of our lives and that of future generations. What we learn, how we live, what we can become is all reliant on our faith, first and foremost, and our finances. You know, many of the things that we want to do as a community of women, that we want to do as a community of faith, that we want to do, you know, in our individual, you know, faith communities rely on us having access to money so that we can control, you know, um, the, the, the politics, so to speak. We can control, you know, uh, what laws are catered to us. Um, you know, and, and what, what things that we have our, you know, uh, politicians that are in office, the, the, per, the causes that they champion. I think this is probably the third time in the last month that I've talked about that specific um, topic. And I think it's a topic that we don't talk about enough, especially as women and especially as people of faith. Um, you know, we hide behind our faith instead of, you know, leading with it. Um, you know, our faith, uh, you know, I know as a Muslim woman, my faith informs every single decision that I make in my life. No, I'm not going out wearing, you know, uh, you know, and, and wanting to be, you know, help everyone and say, hey, you know, this is do this, do this, do this. This is the religion for you. No, I'm not going out preaching to anyone. I'm just going out being, you know, my best self. And if, you know, what I say or, you know, what they see in me of Islam speaks to their heart and they, you know, want to, you know, further their, you know, Islamic education, great. If not, you know, I pray that I encourage you to be your best self, whatever that is, right? Um, whatever that looks like for you. So going back to the conversation and to the topic of this week's episode and how what I just said, you know, plays a part, how do you know it's time to quit? You know, the, when I knew it was time for me to quit in 2017 is because the desire to pursue my goals and the desire to see the what if manifest was greater than the desire to stay the same, the desire to continue on the same path and the trajectory that I was on, which was a path that had no risk, which was a path that, you know, I would, you know, skate by in life. And, you know, yes, I would, you know, have the nice house, the nice car, and, you know, my kids would go to nice schools and, and, you know, all of that. But there was no I, I, I want more of this or I want to pursue this. And and what if what if I go down this road that's left tra less traveled? And yes, it's hard. And yes, I don't know what's going to happen. But the desire and, and the need to see, you know, what happens if 
I go down that path was greater than me staying in my, you know, cushy office in my, you know, uh, glass office, you know, glass windows and everything and beautiful office. It was greater than that for me. And so many women I spoke to in 2020 lost their full or um, a portion of their income as a result of the pandemic. The job they relied on was no longer there to help um, her provide for her family. Some relied on public assistance, others on uh, unemployment, the kindness of strangers, or all of the above. While many others thrived in their jobs during COVID, many business owners who had solid processes and a viable product thrived and saw unprecedented revenues during the pan pan pandemic, many didn't. The ones who thrived had the right product, the right processes in place at the right time. You must know that this was not luck. This was consistent effort and knowing when to seize the opportunity when it presented itself. Again, the question, should I return to work or quit? If you're looking for an answer, I'm gonna give you one, but ultimately it's up to you. You should return to work and ensure you have a, str a strong plan to ensure you increase your rainy day fund. Some of you thought I was gonna say, no, dive into entrepreneurship, no. Return to work and again, ensure you have a strong plan to increase your rainy day fund. Participate in more, part, not only participate, but create more income generating activities. No more relying on just your nine to five income. We have seen how fast that can be taken away. Take time to make money that works for you. So if you're returning to work soon, it's time to create your plan now. And I mean, right now. Budget what you would need to start your business and how you can work full-time at work and part-time in your business. Create that schedule. Create what that looks like for you without burning out. Ensure that you put that self-care time onto the calendar as well. Make sure you're taking time out for your family, you know, on a daily basis or you have, you know, an appointment with them. Make a date, you know, with your children. Make a date with your spouse, whatever the scenario. And, you know, working, you know, if you need to, you know, work full time and then part time in your business until you can make it your full time, if that's your plan. So, again, work your full time job, make time for your part time, you know, uh, time in your business. Right. Until you can make it full time, if that's your plan, if that's what you want. As a female thought leader in business empowerment and education, I know that down economies are the perfect time to start or grow an existing business. I also know, simply put, that knowledge is key to helping more people do more. My goal through every podcast episode, IG post, or video, etc., is to give women more access to the knowledge, the know-how, the skills to be able to pursue not only their goals in entrepreneurship, but to learn how changing her mindset on faith and finances will create the mindset shift that will change her economic status. And that that change in economic status also changes everything and everyone else in her life. The educational sp or education space is changing, growing, and people are beginning to see the value of specialty and niche online courses by coaches, strategists, and everyday people who have been successful in business. Even college and universities are offering, you know, like coursework um, that you can take as, you know, a solo entrepreneur or as a business owner. And I think, you know, it's to be commended. 
I'm so proud of what the 15-week um, Build Your Boss Biz grant program that I created has been able to do for the first cohort of women who joined the program back in Jan January. We changed the version from a 13-week course to now the 15-week course that it is. And so our second cohort, which started June 4th, um, you know, is able to, you know, join, a, you know, a comprehensive program that takes them from, from point A to Z. We have business owners that have been in business business a day, um, may not have even started um, up to businesses that have been in business for five or 10 years, but need as a result of what happened in 2020 where brick and mortar store locations closed, they need to make that pivot in their business. So in the event, you know, God forbid, a law forbid that, you know, um, we go into a situation like we faced in 2020 again, they are able to still um, make an income um, and a viable income um, you know, from your business, from their business. So, you know, our second cohort started June 4th, and we're so looking forward to what this group of women will be able to produce. If you're interested in learning more, head over to uh, the Bossy Jabby Society website, um, and you can access it by clicking or, or typing in www.bossyjabbysociety.com and looking for our 15-week Build Your Boss Biz grant program. Um, I look forward to seeing you live for week two, should you decide to come on with us. Um, and this week, week two, we will begin brainstorming new business and products ideas for our current participa participants. Um, I really want to um, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I pray that, that it was a benefit. And I also pray that you put, you know, what I've talked about into action, that you take out that journal, you take out that notebook, you put that pen to paper, and you begin to create your plan. Yes, work your nine to five, sis. Um, if you are in business, mm, time to take it up, you know, that next notch, right? Whatever your scenario is, it's time to, you know, put, put your foot on the gas and take it up a notch and go to that next level. My inspirational quote of the week, as the old axiom goes, give a man a fish and he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish and he eats for a lifetime, but teach a woman to fish and everyone eats for a lifetime. As I said in my book, Pray and Grow Rich, A Faith Choice, when you look to history and find a successful society, look to the women of that society where the women, 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 women thrived, the society thrived. Jazakallah khair for listening. Peace and assalamu alaikum. This has been another spectacular episode of Boss Hijabipreneur, brought to you by BUNHD LLC and the Not Without My Hijab stage play. To find out more about services for women of faith and business and the next city up on the tour, visit www.bunhd.com. It is our hope here at BUNHD that after each episode, you will be empowered to have a deeper connection in your spirituality, personal, and business relationships. As women of faith, we have a responsibility to learn our religion, apply it to our daily lives, and to make a positive contribution in our local and global community. You